you definitely get out of your comfort zone. And then mm-hmm. I think you really get to know yourself better. You really have to dig deep and find that, you know, extra patience, extra strength. I was, you know, for my English Channel Swim, I was seasick for a long time. So you have to really dig deep to, to find the, the strength to continue. Hello and a super special Happy New Year welcome to Head Right Out. Today is the 2nd of January 2021. My name is Zoe Langley-Wathen and I am thrilled that you're here to listen to another inspiring guest who absolutely understands what it means to head out of her comfort zone and knows how much her head is going to be kept right as a result. Her name is Abhijali Bernardovar. Now, I've had time to practice her surname since speaking with her. And while I usually pride myself on being able to get pronunciations right pretty quickly, I didn't do so well at executing a seamless and authentic delivery of her name. She's certainly not the kind of woman, though, who would let that bother her. I think it would be more a case of water off a duck's back, considering her passion, which is swimming. I loved this conversation, finding so much more to connect with than just feeling inspired by an ultra swimmer, an extreme ultra triathlete. Abhijali shares so much about her practice of meditation and how she believes this has been the key to transforming her experience of managing endurance in her sport. So enjoy the conversation and I'll have an amazing head right out moment to share with you at the end of the episode. Okay, welcome back to the Head Right Out podcast. I am really delighted today to be talking to an athlete, a fascinating woman, really, really interesting in what she has achieved. And her name is Abhijali Bernadovar. She's a 44-year-old runner and open water swimmer, and most recently, a triathlete. She's a member of the Sri Chimnoy Marathon team from the Czech Republic. She's the 10th person in history and the fourth woman and first swimmer from the Czech Republic and a landlocked country to complete the Ocean Seven. As a runner, she has completed a six-day run and she is a multiple national champion at 100 kilometers and 24 hours. She was nominated for the 2018 and 2019 World Open Water Swimming Woman of the Year. 10 years after her first English Channel swim, I'm just thinking there, first English Channel swim, (laughs) Abhijali decided to do it again. And this time, make it an extreme ultra triathlon from Dover to Prague. This involved her covering a total of 1,111 kilometers across the three disciplines, 34 kilometers swimming, 895 kilometers cycling, and 182 kilometers running. It took her seven days, 12 hours, and five minutes. And those five minutes, I'm sure, were really, really important to include in that. Every second counts. So for those, for those of our listeners who work in miles, that's just over 690 miles. Welcome, Abhijali. Lovely to have you here and I just I feel honored <laughs> to be talking to you today what what an amazing achieve, I'm trying to not an achievement it's, it is an achievement but it's a repertoire a oh this is my evening brain coming in now <laughs> oh, thank but, you so much yes, it's amazing. having me and uh, talking to you <laughs> <laughs> no you are very welcome I have a question. My very first question, Abhijali, is, is there a significance in that distance that you covered, the 1,111 kilometers? Was that chosen or did it just work out like that? It was something in between. It worked almost like that. So then we added a few kilometers to make it this nice number. It seemed really, really nice. 
It's, I yes, from what I understand, it's a beautiful number. Would you like to enlighten us uh, to what that means? Oh, well, um, definitely no numbers have different meanings, but I just love the idea of having this symbolic four number ones in the distance. I know it in miles, it doesn't look so good, <laughs> but we work in kilometers and yeah. I, I like that idea very much. Yeah, me too. And is, isn't it something to do with if if you're if you keep seeing one 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 if it, if it keeps presenting itself to you, isn't there the suggestion that it's supposed to be a guide or an angel or something that is a spirit, something that is um, I'm, I'm sending you messages or? Uh, um, I'm not sure about that. No. I mean, definitely there could be something, but it wasn't what was really. Like, no. Okay. I just that it struck me when I saw that. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm absolutely certain there's a significance there. But I'm sure there was some barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jali, for those who don't know, could you talk to us about what the Ocean Seven is? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, that might be thinking, hmm, well, I've heard of that, but I. I don't really know what it entails. So Ocean 7 um, is a challenge that involves seven different channels around the world. And it's something similar to what mountain uh, mountain climbers have when they climb like uh, the highest mountain on every continent. So these are seven swims. There is the English Channel. There is the North Channel, which is really, really cold. There is a swim in Hawaii. There is a swim in New Zealand, the Cook's Trade. There is a swim in Japan, Tsugaru's Trade. There is Gibraltar between Europe and Africa. And then there is one more Catalina Channel in the US. So those are the seven swims. They have cold water. Hawaii is a little bit warm water, but there are different, you know, animals living in the water. (laughs) Uh, There are waves. You have to wait for good weather. So there are different, different challenges uh, in each of the swims. And um, it was a great adventure, I have to say. How long did it take you to complete that from when, from the time you started to the time you completed your seventh? So it started with the English Channel in 2011. And at the time, you know, I was a runner before that. And I actually um, started swimming again. I was a competitive swimmer as a child, but I started swimming again, you know, just kind of by accident because I was supposed to help my friend who was to swim the English Channel. Then it started as a relay. And so somehow I happened to be in the water uh, then to do a solo. And at the time I was like, okay, I've done this swim. And they called the English Channel like the ever the Everest of the open water swimming. So I was like, okay, I can go back to my running. But then, you know, there were other swims somehow coming my way, like the swim around Manhattan in New York. And I liked the idea of swimming between continents, so Gibraltar Strait, which is the shortest of the seven. And only then I heard about the Ocean Seven. And then I heard that there are swims where there are sharks and I heard that there is a, this very cold North Channel. So I was like, okay, that's not for me. You know, like it's a great idea, but definitely not for me. But then, uh, so I, you know, the motto of our Sri Chinma Marathon team is self-transcendent. So I guess, you know, I have been meditating since I was 18 with Sri Chinmoy. And I guess this motto or this philosophy was already so kind of uh, deep inside me, seated inside me that I somehow, um, you know, in the end, tried to do the the whole seven swims. Oh, that is powerful. So did you find the meditation actually helped you through a lot of that, the tough stuff? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, it is said that, you know, like mental part in these challenges, and I'm sure, you know, the, the listeners who do the adventures, they they will know that, mental part is you know like such a big part of every challenge some Mm -hmm. someone says it's almost like 80 percent of the challenge and um I have been practicing meditation you know like 15 years before I did the English channel so I think I had like this huge advantage (laughs) before even starting to train cold water and long distance swimming because I knew you know that the mind has this a tendency of telling you, you know, you can't do it. It's too cold. And what are you, you know, why mm-hmm. are you bothering yourself? So our mind has the tendency to discourage us and, you know, look at the negative side of whatever we are doing. 
And if we know this and, you know, by practicing meditation, you know, you, you can kind of watch your mind from the outside and see what it is doing to you, then it's much easier, you know, to not give up and, or even to accept the challenge. So I think wow. it was like big help. And also the the reason why I did all those swims was also to help me with my meditation practice because uh, when you're swimming in the English Channel and you're cold and you're tired, you definitely get out of your comfort zone. And then mm. I think you really get to know yourself better. You really have to dig deep and find that, you know, extra patience, extra strength. I was, you know, for my English Channel Swim, I was seasick for a long time. So you have to really dig deep to to find the, the strength to continue. So I think it's like, it's like two feet. One of them is the meditation and the other is the sport. And it helps me, uh, you know, walk faster or mm. learn more in my life. That's really interesting. I, and I correct me if I heard that wrong, but did uh, that you that was part of the reason that you took on the challenge was to help you meditate better. And, yes. and in meditating better, you get to know get to know yourself better. Yes. I think that is um, that's fascinating because there's a lot of people that would think that it was the other way around that you meditate in order to be able to get yourself through the challenge. But you, you've actually turned that totally on its head. I think it goes both ways. Mm. You know, the, the challenge helps you with meditation, knowing yourself, but also definitely meditation helps you do these challenges. So I really love how it all connects together, but also it connects like whatever I learned during these swims or runs it's, you know, applicable to my daily life, like all this, um, you know, patience you learn, you learn how to overcome obstacles, how to be very flexible, because things don't, don't go, you know, mm -hmm. as planned. And it's like all of that can translate into my day to day life. And, and I just love that. You sound very centered and very grounded. <laughs> I, I love that. And so this is completely cut off on a tangent to what we were talking about but I'm just interested to know do you have a, a specific technique or thing that you use to focus on when you're meditating do you have like a, a candle or music or I, I don't know is there something something that you use to, to kind of keep your mind in that focused state because I, I I'm terrible at meditating because my <laughs> mind wanders all over the place and you know I I do go back to it from time to time but I yeah I'm not great at it <laughs> uh, well I have a you know like little meditation place at my home at home because it's like you know having a tv in your living room then it's like you have this atmosphere in the living room of you know being with your friends and with your family and watching tv so I have this you know like tiny meditation place that is kind of sacred for me and I have a candle there then I have a photograph of my spiritual teacher and if it's cold I have a blanket to cover myself yes. with and um, sometimes I use music either uh, you know I listen to music or I sing some mantras or some mantric mantric songs and especially when my mind starts roaming it definitely helps to listen to music or to do some chanting and I have a like one very simple exercise that I like to do before, uh, you know, before the challenge. And it's like, you can imagine like when you swim the channel, the boat gets to the shore as close as possible, but then you have to swim to the shore, get out and, you know, wave, okay, I'm ready. Uh, and then you start swimming. So before I wave that I'm ready, you know, inside you, there is this mixture of feelings of, you know, anticipation, like cheerfulness you're ready but at the same time there is some there are some worries or some fear because you don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, couple of hours or you know god knows how many hours so I have this exercise when I breathe out all these worries and all these fears and try to breathe in you know peace and calm just very quickly you know it's not that I would be meditating there for like 10 minutes it can be just one minute but it still helps to just get focused get concentrated and just be happy that you're there and that's uh, that's my favorite exercise and I also do like little meditation before each of my practices 
just the really get concentrated and you know like no okay i'm doing this uh, pool training because i want to swim to france you know so it's just not like some random okay i'm in the pool what am i doing here mm. <laughs> but that you're focused and I, and i like that it's it's having purpose isn't it and yes, making yes, sure you have it. that purpose mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that probably links really well to a question I was going to ask you later. But is it is how how do you get yourself through that difficult stuff and the, the things you know you, you've talked about the fears and the anxieties that you might have or worries perhaps rather than anxieties <laughs> before you head off on a challenge. But as you're going through it, so you know your mid channel, for example, you're I don't know maybe eleven hours in and. Maybe maybe your brain is so focused that this doesn't happen. But do you have setbacks in your head partway through? I well, it depends on the on the conditions of the challenge. Like if if it's really calm, the sea, and you are just you know like flowing in your uh, in your state, and you're just happy and enjoying whatever is happening, then it's okay and doesn't happen. But most of the time, it's not like that because no. the conditions are not so good. And the mind just uh, pops in from time to time. And, you know, like you register that the waves are still rolling over you. And, <laughs> you know, you, you feel a little bit funny in your stomach. But then it's just like what I try to do. And sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. Just to, you know, like be like the observer you know like just see what is happening but you know like don't dwell on what your mind is telling you because the only thing you can do is just to keep swimming you know Mm. if you start calculating how long it is going to take you if you start feeling sorry for you it's not helping so that's you know if there are some thoughts that come I try to, you know, like just let them go or what helps me if if they don't want to go, (laughs) then I start singing some mantric songs or uh, just repeating some mantras and that somehow pacifies the mind. Will you do that in your head? Because I'm assuming (laughs) you can't do that when you're swimming because you're (laughs) going to start inhaling seawater. (laughs) You have to do it in your head. Yes. (laughs) That was a silly question, really, wasn't it? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I said singing, right? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, but I was thinking, no, you must be. I mean, I when I'm doing a challenge, I sing all the time. And generally, it's out loud to whoever will hear me, probably sheep and cows usually. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes sometimes there are people around and, you know, I get an eyebrow, a raised eyebrow. But yes, yeah, so I'm not a swimmer, like so <laughs> but I know how it helps me. So what was the criteria then with the Ocean 7? So you, you've had to cover seven bodies of water. Is, is there a certain mileage or a certain amount of time in the water that you have to be there? Well, what's the criteria to, to say, I, you know, you obviously can't just go in and paddle and then come back out again. So. <laughs> you just Well, you have to swim from one side to the other. Like you have to swim from Europe, uh, you start on dry land and finish in Africa Hmm. and no one can touch you you can't touch the boat they can they are passing you you know bottles with drinks or food but you can't touch the boat you can you know like lie on your back but no one is allowed to touch you and you only have your regular swimsuit you have goggles you have a cap you can have earplugs but that's all all you have and you just have to swim there is no time limit luckily because (laughs) sometimes it just takes much longer than you would think Mm. because if you stop for example to eat there are currents that carry you somewhere else than you (laughs) than you want to go but there is the distance between the you know the two messes of land yeah so yeah so I can imagine so either tides or wind if that's carrying you to a completely different end point that the challenges around your support crew trying to establish where you're going to come in I I guess the boats 
in touch with the land crew are they how does that work well, you, your crew is on the boat like for the for the triathlon now yeah like the crew my crew on the boat were in touch with the land crew but um basically for example for this english channel swim i could see france for a really really long time on my left side but we were not getting any closer because the currents were kind of carrying us parallel mm. to the shore so then the pilot, he knows the body of water really well. He knows the currents, but he's still limited, you know, by your speed. So he was trying to get in, you know, as soon as possible. But it took us, you know, quite some time to, to really land in France. Wow. That sounds tough. <laughs> Especially when you see the land, you know, and yeah. you're like, you're not getting any closer. Like every half an hour I would drink or eat. And I would see the land, but not getting any closer. So that's also where meditation helps. Or, you know, like your uh, ability to quiet the mind. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would be very easy to give up, you know, or just say, wow. okay, we'll another day. I just want to say you're hardcore. You're absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... Yeah, I'm trying to get my head around that. I mean, I guess I'm I'm not I'm a, I can swim, but I'm not a strong swimmer. But just I'm putting myself in your shoes and thinking how each of those oceans, or those stretches of water, how different each of them are going to be, and the you know the size of the waves, just the size of the waves for me, I would be quaking. Yeah, wow. But it's at the same time it's very magical because it's just you know like this huge open space and you are this tiny you're like a speck and the ocean is doing whatever it wants with you you know like mm. you're going up and down and it, the ocean has to allow you to to get through and I just love that feeling of being totally free I mean of course you have the boat next to you but it's like this vast expanse of water and you're just for a while you are a part of that oh wow I I'm almost sensing that each of the oceans then have a personality or yeah, like a character that you yeah, yeah. you've have obviously identified with and what you've taken away now must be it's a very very personal experience I'm sure but can you describe one of those oceans to us in a way that characterizes it um my actually my most difficult swim uh surprisingly was the one in Hawaii mm. even though I am not so good with cold water and Hawaii was warm but it was the longest it was 42 kilometers which is a marathon and you know Hawaiian islands are these quite tiny islands in the huge Pacific Ocean. Mm. So the sea and uh, I mean, the ocean can really play there. That's why people go and surf there because uh, the swell just, you know, accumulates for all those thousands of miles. And then when, when the swell hits the shore, it creates these waves where you can surf. So for me, even just to get to the start of the swim, you know, we had to swim. I had my friend with me from New Zealand to help me kind of navigate through the waves but you could totally see how powerful the ocean was and the swells, like even in the middle of the channel, you were just going up and down on the swells. Uh, but the color of the ocean was, was beautiful. I could hear the dolphins at night. We saw whales, you know, so it was just, and I swam through the whole night, which was like 12 hours. And I was actually really seasick for like all those 12 hours at night. But in the end, it was just like an experience you can't get anywhere else. And it totally, like at one point, because I was so seasick, I couldn't eat or drink. So I wasn't sure, you know, I would be able to to keep going because you just uh, don't get <laughs> some endless energy from out of nowhere. Mm. But the feeling was like almost out of body feeling, but still, you know, I knew I was in, in control and I had my friend on a kayak next to me, but it was really like surreal. You know, you are in this dark night. There is no, you know, artificial light, no, no light smoke. And you're just like in this huge mess of water. You're the only person in that water <laughs> for at that time, you know, at night. 
and it's just so kind of mystical and magical I'm finding that really moving as well I mean just <laughs> just hearing you talking about that is something I, I don't want to say dreamlike because this it's far from <laughs> dreamy I'm sure you know it's such hard work but yeah there's there's a definite story storybook quality to that that is you know just touches this- here it's really moving you know what was really uh, dreamlike? There was the Catalina Channel swim. Oh, that really? swim also starts at night because in the afternoon there are bigger waves. And uh, if you're lucky, you get uh, bioluminescence in the water, which is, you know, that sparkling light. So anytime you do a stroke, you push your hand through the water, which is all the time. You see these sparks uh, emerging, you know, like it's it's like a, a your personal fireworks. <laughs> And that was really, and there were good conditions on that swim. I wasn't seasick, so that was really, really beautiful. That's, that was that like must be so special. And I, I witnessed my first bioluminescence this year, this summer, in Wales, North Wales, and went out with a friend on a paddleboard. It was somewhere between half eleven and midnight. I think it was about midnight, and there was a big group of us. And yes, I, I witnessed mm-hmm. the the fireworks. It was like jewels just dancing around in front of us. And I swam, I swam in it as well. <laughs> And it was an incredible feeling, yes. Is it oh, right? Yes, but to be out in it for you, just it's like your solo, your own special solo firework display. <laughs> How yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So what sort of training and commitment do you have to put in for each of these? I think I think I remember you said it was about 18 months for the channel. But was that because it was the extreme ultra? That, that you were doing with the rest of the challenge or you know if you were just let's say just swimming if you were swimming the ocean does that require a different kind of training to the other challenge that you did where you were going from Dover to Prague? Um, for example for my uh, first English channel swim which was after the relay that we did I knew I wanted to do the swim like next year. So I didn't even have, well, maybe I had like 10 months or nine months, which isn't much, but, but I guess because I did, you know, that, that six uh, day run, I, I knew I could last, <laughs> that I had the, the endurance and I knew I had to just get used to the cold water, gain weight and just really acclimatize myself. So, and then I think, like one of the like one swim is is like the best training for the next swim so I know that I never really trained as much as I trained for the first swim but now I I finished the ocean seven in 2018 and so it was like three years till this channel triathlon and I wanted to do it a year ago but I had a bike accident while you know I start I got a road bike and I started training on the bike so I knew like that this three year gap between you know my big challenges that I needed to put more training in also I'm not getting younger so I realized that my body reacts like more to the you know to the cold conditions so it wasn't so easy for me to be in the cold water also the swimming pools were closed so it was like this training for this swim was really challenging also I was supposed to swim like I finally did the triathlon in September but my first date was beginning of July but then you know France and Germany which I was supposed to bike through they kind of closed borders for people coming from UK. So I had to postpone the swim. And then the swim was postponed again because the weather wasn't cooperating. So it was like, I'm, I don't have any professional, you know, training. I'm coaching myself mm. and I just do what I feel I need to do. I also, you know, work full-time jobs. So it just, uh, like my theory is if I do whatever I can, then there will be some kind of cosmic energy that will, yeah. you know, give me whatever I'm missing. And, but yeah, the idea is really to, to train as much as I can, you know, like uh, not as much, but like do what I can. And then. How, what, what sort of time frame would that take up in your week? I mean, is that daily training and how, if so, how many hours a day? It would be probably six days a week training. Mm. And 
I still like, even though the biking part was the longest, it took me uh, four days. I knew I still needed to train the most for the English Channel Swim because it's cold water and you can't really, you know, like trick that. And I knew I could probably last on the bike. So I started with when the pools were closed and I couldn't swim outdoors because it was still winter. I had a bike, you know, put in like the stationary bike at home or my bike put in the stand. And so I was biking probably one hour a day. And then I would not every day, but then I, and then I would run to work, which is 6K, sometimes run back. But when the weather was uh, like warmer for me to swim outdoors, we would go for weekends where I would just swim. And sometimes I would then bike home. But the swimming was like the biggest part. So I would do a few six hours on Saturday, six hours on Sunday of swimming. But yeah, I mean, the whole uh, triathlon was was a big miracle, I have to say, with the training. I didn't do as much training as I wanted to do for different reasons, but I guess my body kind of knows <laughs> what yeah. it needs to do. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you recognize what your body needs as well, that's mm-hmm. the biggest challenge face, isn't it? As far yeah. as, yeah. No, yeah, understanding what you need and how you can get through that. So what would you say were the biggest hurdles that you faced then in the challenge, the triathlon challenge? Oh, like it was complicated logistically as well Mm. because of the different postponements, because for the triathlon, you know, I needed a team on the boat and I needed a team for the biking section, for the running section. And with things being postponed, you know, like all these people were taking time off their work and they couldn't take time off, you know, at a later time. Mm. So that was one challenge, you know, even me being in Dover and the pilot said, you know, okay, your window is is uh, out of question, but can you stay a week longer? So I would have to call all these people. Can you please do it a week later? And they, some of them could and some of them couldn't. <laughs> so it was complicated like that. And also with the pools closed, there was, those were hurdles, you know, that are kind of not in your power to change. That's, mm. you know, how the situation was. You learn adaptability, don't you? I mean, I think you have that already. <laughs> well, clearly, you have to learn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, it's, you know, I think a lot of people have had their adventures, dreams, challenges, holidays, all sorts of things <laughs> completely you know thrown to the wind in the last couple of years but yeah you you just learn to become adaptable yeah yeah yeah. so I mean obviously there comes a cost with all of this as well so uh, did you were were you able to get sponsorship were you self-funding how did you uh do this company I work for they they support me which is good so they usually pay like the biggest amount of money is for hiring the pilot and the boat so they usually pay for that and for different challenges, I would do, you know, different kinds of uh, fundraising, like people could buy a postcard that I would send from Hawaii, <laughs> or, you know, a swimming lesson with me or different things. And a lot of my money went in as well. <laughs> yes. It's when it's something that you feel so passionate about, you're, yeah, you're willing to sell all sorts aren't you or you know (laughs) there's there's so many sacrifices when you want to do something like this but yeah okay so what's next dare I ask that have you have you got uh, a hankering to go off and try something else now has this given you just that need to keep pushing yourself forward because you've obviously pushed yourself in what you've done with the triathlon you've did the ocean seven and then you've done the ultra triathlon Oh, extreme yeah, tri- yeah, extreme yeah. triathlon, yes. So, yeah, what's next? <laughs> uh, I think just the philosophy of self-transcendence means that uh, I will keep doing things. It doesn't have to be anything as crazy, I guess. Just, you know, like, uh, I I know it it is good for me to keep moving and doing stuff. Also, like, having goals makes me get up <laughs> and do things yeah I understand <laughs> uh, that <laughs> because sometimes yeah sometimes you are really really tired and you need to sleep in but sometimes it's just our mind or our laziness mm. and uh, kind of yeah it teaches me to discriminate which one it is 
So I definitely, you know, like even since my uh, first English Channel Swim, you know, I have been drawn to um, there is this stage race in Sahara Desert. But, you know, since I'm now used to the cold, I will have to wait still a little bit more <laughs> till, I, till I'm till i done with the swimming challenges. <laughs> is is that the Marathon des Sables? Yes, yes. Oh. So I've been wanting to do that for mm, that a long time. That would be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there are things, and as, as I listen, you know, to different podcasts and meet people like similar to, to myself, you just get so many more things that you want to do. So then, so there is a tiny list for me, and then I'm waiting what will speak to me, you know, like, okay, yes. now this is time to do this, this is time to do this. Yeah, it has to feel appropriate and mm-hmm. feel feel right, doesn't it? ready, yeah. Yeah, oh, wow, that's really exciting. So is there is there anything, this is actually the, the bit where I I ask all of my guests the same question, is there anything that you can think of that you would say would could be classed as your head right out moment something where you've stepped out of your comfort zone and done done something that you really never thought you could achieve and it doesn't necessarily have to be as big as what you've been describing it might have been just a very small thing but you felt you benefited from it as a result afterwards so it's a head right out moment um I think what was actually like a turning moment for me to to head for the Ocean 7 was a swim that's not included in the Ocean 7 and it's in South Africa. It's from Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned. And that swim, it's called usually, it's like colder than the English Channel, but it's shorter. It's only seven and a half kilometers. But when we came there, it was like super, super cold. It was like cold as in winter here, the, the rivers. And I remember like everyone was telling us, do you know, it's called like none of the local swimmers are swimming this weekend because it's just super cold. But, you know, like you are in South Africa, (laughs) the wind, like there was this one day where the wind was okay and we could swim. And it was like, do we not give it a try? (laughs) We are here. But, you know, like I didn't know if I would be okay, if I would survive. (laughs) And even the pilot was, you know, he was like, She's not, you know, like it's really cold. She's not going to make it. He didn't even, I think he didn't even call the Coast Guard, you know, that he just told them, okay, we are starting, but he didn't tell them like approximate finish time because we thought he would have to pull me out. And only towards the end, I started kind of veering off away from the boat because hypothermia can be very tricky. You know, like you won't know that you're hypothermic. So your team has to be really vigilant on the boat. And so it was all, we were almost there. So then my friend swam with me the very last bit. And I think that was a defining moment for me, not only because I kind of managed the swim and we did it, but also I just felt it was showing me the way because I didn't want to do the Ocean 7 because of the very cold North Channel. And it just felt like someone was showing me you you will be okay you should do it Mm. but you know like it took the courage you know it took a courage to really just say okay we will do it we don't know what the result will be but we we will do it wow wow yes and that you know you can apply that to so many other situations can't you just once you have an experience like that because if you don't try, you you don't, you know, you can't mm. do it. If you try, you can at least say, yeah. I tried. I, I don't normally ask many questions after this point, but it's, it's just something else has come up. So how has your life been changed then by that challenge or any of those challenges, in fact, that you've undertaken? It can be the most recent extreme triathlon or the Ocean 7, your six-day run. Or how has your life been altered for the better? Um, I think it, it is, it's making me a better person, you know, because we each have a set of good qualities and not so good qualities. And when you are under these extreme conditions, these things come up, you know, not only the good things, but also the, <laughs> the not so good things. And you have to deal with them. You have to 
yeah, you have to deal with them. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's like, yeah, all those challenges, but also like my meditation life, like the combination of both of those things is kind of making me become a better person and move forward faster than otherwise. And even though it's not easy, I, I really li- like it. <laughs> yeah, I, that's yeah, so positive. And you just come across as being so, as I said before, so grounded, but so resilient as well. You have a real good handle on what you need to get you through things. I just, uh, yeah, I just think it's so inspiring. And um, learning. The, yes, yeah. We're always, process. we are always learning, aren't we? Because, you know, we change as we get older, we yes. change, our bodies change, our minds change as well as particularly women you know as we're going through mm-hmm. hormonal changes yes you know things happen and you know I am absolutely determined I'm going through perimenopause at the moment going mm. through I'm in perimenopause mm-hmm. but yeah so I am definitely in that place where I am determined to hold on to the resilience that I learned mm-hmm. through the adventures and challenges that I've undertaken but it's, it's hard sometimes it's really sometimes hard it's because hard. your, your yeah. mind is so strong and it really fights you <laughs> it's, like, it's you've got these two two sides of your mind arguing battling it yeah. out you just got to hope you know that you've got the right toolkit to to get yeah. you through yeah. but, and I you know you, we generally do but, wow but it's perfect you know like your podcast really helps uh, all of us you know to keep inspired because we need this extra inspiration, you know, from other people around us or people someplace far from Czech Republic, but we can share this inspiration. And I'm very grateful to you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Abhijali. And I think, yes, I mean, this is, in fact, we were talking at the beginning, weren't we, that this is special for me as well, because you are the first person that I have spoken to who hasn't been within some kind of realm of contact with me whether it's on social media or somebody I know or somebody I've met at a festival or an event somewhere and it it only occurred to me yesterday I thought oh actually this is this is a guest that I I haven't had any contact with prior and so that was quite a special moment and then I've been trying to branch out into you know the international realm um, outside of America you know so I've got somebody who has English as a second language and and that is you too so <laughs> thank you so you've got another first you know you you were the first swimmer um from and the fourth woman but yes to do all of these amazing things but you're also the first international English as a second language guest on Head Right Out there you go (laughs) well Avajali it's this has been an absolute pleasure I have to say I really really enjoyed it and and I found you to be it's so calming your voice I could listen to you talk for ages I'm assuming you've been on other podcasts and and that you you speak normally mostly check actually check okay yeah it's yeah i've yeah. been on chapter of podcast that will come out later yeah. okay fabulous is there anything else anything else that you would like to share with the listeners that i haven't asked about or i haven't given you the opportunity to say is there anything burning that you think oh yes i'd, I'd love to mention that <laughs> No, I think just just need to keep uh, working on getting better, becoming a better person. And it just gives us joy. So that's, yeah, that's all. And I'm actually working on a book. It will come out first in Czech, but it will come out in English. Where I'm sharing not just, you know, the adventures, but also like the the philosophy that I have behind them, the self-transcendence and everything. So I'm very interested in that. <laughs> but keep us I will posted. Let you know when it, yeah, please, please yeah. do. Oh, that would be lovely. Where can people find you, Abhijali, to learn more about what you're doing? So I'm on Instagram, Abhijali, very easy. Uh, Facebook, I just yeah, set up Facebook as well. And if people want to get in touch, they can through those uh, uh, media. And we are working on an English website. I have a Czech website. So <laughs> wonderful. Okay. Well, I will I will put the links into the mm-hmm. show notes uh, so people can find you. Avajali, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank and you so yes, I'm, I'm sure we'll catch up again. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Wow. Abhijali just delivers her message so beautifully. She shares 
passionately and with such conviction and belief about what she does and her commitment to her sport. And I have to say, I'm really looking forward to her book when it comes out in English, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I really get, I really understand the way she applies her methods of commitment and self-talk to everyday life. I can see how doing a challenge as she has done, particularly with the Ocean 7 and her extreme triathlon from Dover to Prague, I can really see how that mindset can be applied to daily life. And this is why I would just encourage everybody to have a go at trying something difficult. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Be uncomfortable. Take a risk. Keep safe but take a risk, do something that scares you because you can then put that into your everyday life and benefit from it. Okay, well, I have an amazing Head Right Out moment to share with you today. And this is from a guy who actually is one of my neighbours. His name is Ian. And Ian... We've been chatting, you know, for the last 18 months, however long it is that we've lived next to one another. And to me, he is the epitome of somebody who has headed out of their comfort zone. You have to hear this. Here's his story. We moved to Wales just after I'd turned 40. During my 30s, I travelled a lot with work, which took its toll both on my body and mental health. By the time we moved to Wales, I'd become over 16 stone in weight. And so being short, this led to a 40-inch waist as well. Not long after we moved, I decided I didn't want to spend the rest of my life feeling this overweight. And so I began to lose the weight with a change of diet and exercise. First of all, walking and then running. Then my partner said to me, well, you always used to like bikes. Why don't you get one again? I think he's probably regretting that now. <laughs> I cycled more and more and eventually stumbled my way into time trialing, where you race starting one minute apart over set courses and the quickest times win. I entered my first events in 2019 and then COVID interrupted things. So this year, that was 2021, when it opened up again, off I went to race and entered the events to qualify for the best British all-rounder competition. This takes your average speed in 50-mile, 100-mile and 12-hour events and then averages these. While I'll never be near the winning spots, I was chuffed to bits to average 23 miles per hour. Anyone averaging more than 22 miles per hour gets a certificate of having met the standard and I was 37th out of the 47 who were above 22 miles per hour. It's great to have finally found a sport I love doing. Having realised it doesn't matter what it is or that I'll never win, but just the fact that I love doing it. And I know how much Ian loves doing this because at any given opportunity throughout the week and at weekends, and on bank holidays, he will be taking his bike out to go for a cycle. And I'll very often say to him, how far today then, Ian? And he'd say, oh, I don't know, maybe 50k, 80k, not sure. I'm just gonna, Where are you going, Ian? Oh, don't know. Just going to follow my nose, see where the bike takes me. And what a wonderful way to appreciate being outdoors, appreciate moving your body, and just to be that free spirit. And I'm going to pop in the show notes three photographs. One is of Ian's certificate from the British Championships that he talks about, the best British all-rounder competition. Um, so big, big congratulations to Ian for achieving that. And the other two photographs, one is of Ian back before he started this journey, and he's standing on the back of a boat, not a narrow boat, I should add, but a, a seafaring boat. And I have to say, I wouldn't recognize him. And then the other photograph is a professional photograph taken whilst he's in mid-race, mid-competition. And 
yeah, he is clearly very focused and he's got his eye on where he's getting to and what he needs to do. <laughs> you hear those dogs? <laughs> I don't know what's going on out there, but they're very chatty. <laughs> so thank you so much to Ian for taking the time to share your head right out moment with us. I know how difficult this must have been to push yourself beyond what you thought was possible. But the key here is you did it and you have continued to do it. You've continued to maintain this positive, active lifestyle. So thank you. I really appreciate you sharing it. Okay, right. Well, next week we have Siobhan Daniels coming to chat to me. Uh, This is going to be an amazing conversation. Siobhan, for those of you who haven't heard her in the media recently, uh, she has taken off in a motorhome a couple of years ago uh, for her retirement. And she is all about promoting pro-aging. And it's such a fun conversation and so inspiring, so positive. So I think you're going to love that. Do come back and listen. My final message to you then is to please follow, rate and review, if possible, Head Right Out. You can also now rate all of your favourite podcasts that you listen to on Spotify. So if you use Spotify, please go to the main page for the show and give Head Right Out a five star rating. That would be really, really appreciated. Thank you. Sadly, you still can't leave a review, which cancels out so many Android users, but you know, there's nothing we can do about that. But if you do have an iPhone, please consider taking a few moments to review the podcast if you feel like you've gained something from the show, if you enjoy it. Wishing you all a start to 2022 that is full of hope, health and above all happiness. Looking forward to seeing you again next week and head right out hugs to you all. Mwah.